0: Black Black Black
1: this is understand south carolina a news podcast from the post and courier i'm emily williams It's taken months for details to be released about Jamal Sutherland's death. Only in the last couple of weeks has there been a better understanding of what happened on January 5th at the Al Cannon Detention Center in North Charleston, and there remain many unanswered questions. Late last Thursday, the Charleston County Sheriff's Office released videos of two deputies using pepper spray, stun guns, and other force against Sutherland, a black mental health patient. His death has raised serious questions about how people with mental illnesses are treated by police. Today, we'll be going over some of the key facts that we know, the questions that still have not been answered, and how local activists are calling for change. Here's reporter Gregory Yee.
2: We got an email from uh, Captain Roger Antonio, who is uh, a spokesman for the sheriff's office, Uh, January 5th, 2021 at 1 30 p.m and this is verbatim what the uh, press release says shortly after 10 this morning detention deputies reported an unresponsive inmate at the sheriff al cannon detention center the inmate was pronounced deceased inside the facility the coroner's office responded to the detention center per protocol sled was notified to conduct an inmate death investigation also per policy the sheriff's office office of professional standards is conducting an internal investigation into the matter and has placed two detention deputies on administrative leave with pay the inmate has been incarcerated in the facility since yesterday
1: that was the only information available that day the next day officials released jamal sutherland's name but not much else
2: really until the last roughly two weeks all we really knew was he died in the jail he was a mental health patient who was charged with a very low-level misdemeanor, specifically third-degree assault and battery. And I'd been getting some bits and pieces from uh, from Mark Pepper, the attorney representing the Sutherland family. And uh, you know, we knew, for instance, pretty early on that deputies had used a taser multiple times against him, uh, but we really didn't have a good picture of the. Really, what's turned out to be a, a really shocking use of force against uh, against this man. What you know our newsroom is in the process of now is kind of peeling back the layers of this onion and trying to sort of trace the chain of events fully that led to his death.
1: Sutherland, who'd been diagnosed with bipolar disorder and schizophrenia as a teenager had been receiving treatment at Palmetto Lowcountry Behavioral Health. After a fight broke out at that facility January 4th, North Charleston police arrested Sutherland and another patient and took Sutherland to jail. The footage released last week was of deputies trying to force Sutherland from his cell to attend a bond hearing. That morning was also the first one on the job for Kristen Graziano, Charleston County's newly elected sheriff.
2: Following Jamal's death, the state law enforcement division got called in to do an independent investigation. In this case, a pretty long amount of time passed, and I should note that in 2019, the uh, Scarlett Wilson, the Ninth Circuit solicitor, uh, unveiled this policy for investigating these types of incidents uh, called the Officer-Involved Critical Incident Plan, and it outlined a 60 day timeline for sled to wrap up the investigation of these kinds of cases now 60 days two months definitely came and went and there was no conclusion in the case april the 30th sled turns over their investigative file to her office uh scarlett wilson and she as the top prosecutor for charleston and berkeley counties is in charge of reviewing that case file she ultimately will be the person to say whether or not charges get filed in this case against the two deputies involved in uh, in Jamal's death. And so, as the months have passed, people in the community have, you know, started pushing for the release of more information. They said, "Why haven't we seen videos yet? Why haven't we seen Why haven't we seen more documents yet? Where is the information about this case? It's been months. And so, Last week, Solicitor Wilson sent out a a statement, kind of explaining where the case was. And that same day, Sheriff Kristen Graziano issued a a statement of her own. Now, the next day, a little unexpectedly, actually, North Charleston Mayor Keith Summey put out a nine-minute video, or nearly nine-minute video, that included some body camera footage from North Charleston officers who responded to Palmetto the night of January the fourth.
0: It is with great sadness that I speak to you about the death of Jamal Sutherland. Like many of you, I have seen the recent news coverage and believe it is in the community's best interest to understand what happened.
2: Those two releases plus that video kind of jump-started a series of events. From there, the pressure really ratcheted up.
1: In her statement that week, Sheriff Graziano has said that one of the reasons why she had not released the video yet Was that the Sutherland family was not ready for the public to see it. On May 13th, the sheriff's office was in mediation talks with the family. As it got later and later into that evening and night, there were no statements and no videos.
2: You know, afternoon passed, evening passed. It's now, you know, 9 p.m. You know, it kind of looked like, okay, well, it's getting pretty late. I don't know if the video is going to come out. But we kept calling, and finally, basically, not that long before midnight, The sheriff's office sends out a a, a link and there's all these videos there.
1: We're not going to include any of the audio from those videos in today's podcast, but here are some of the key things we learned from that footage. While attempting to extract Sutherland from his cell for a bond hearing, Deputy Brian Houle and Sergeant Lindsey Fickett shot pepper spray into his cell twice and deployed numerous Taser electrical shocks. Hull was recorded later in the video saying he and Fickett shocked Sutherland, quote, six to eight times at least. At one point, Hull had his knee on Sutherland's back and remained there for over two minutes. Sutherland can be heard on the video saying, I can't breathe. When deputies eventually lifted him out of his cell, he was visibly limp and unresponsive. CPR was performed on Sutherland both by hand and with the assistance of a mechanical device known as a thumper, which provides chest compressions. Medical staff also responded to examine Sutherland, who continued to appear unresponsive. The video is available on the Post and Courier's website, but we do warn that it's very disturbing to watch. We also have a written timeline that breaks down exactly what that footage shows. We will share a link to that timeline in today's episode notes.
2: the Sutherland family, um, Jamal's parents, uh, Mark Pepper, the attorney, and a whole slew of, of area activists. It, it was the first time the public had heard from Jamal's parents, and his mother, in particular, made a pretty emotional plea for the public to view the video, but not to over-broadcast it. Her exact words were, you know, don't turn my son's death into a circus.
3: I'm going to tell you about my son, Jamal. Jamal was the second of our three kids he was a man of god we had somebody a cousin of mine go in his room and she goes why he has so many religious books because he wanted to learn about god mental illness does not give anybody the right to put their hands on my child that's my child i love my child his brother and his fathers they loved Jamal. Jamal was good, I had 16 surgeries, Jamal never left my side. Even when he was going to the mental hospital, he wanted to make sure that his mom was all right. And I asked God to please, please have mercy on some of these people that are doing things that aren't right for a family that's grieving. Jamal's body is not an invitation, a circus. When you put these tics, remember, he is a human being. He's not an animal. He was treated like one, but that's not who Jamal was.
2: We got word that the sheriff was planning a press conference of her own that evening at the sheriff's office headquarters, which is just down, like a block down the street from the jail.
4: Some of you may or may not be aware that I walked into the doors, these very doors to your left and to my right in my full capacity as sheriff 3 hours prior to this tragedy however i knew coming into this position that changes needed to be made and that we that is what we've been doing for the last 4 months and that's why i ran for sheriff and that's what we're going to continue to do
2: that was really the the first time that she had herself spoken in a public format on what happened and she outlined um, policy changes she's made at the jail for one she did away with the um, the forced bond hearing policy uh, she spoke a little bit about deputies involved and, and kind of tried to address some questions over why she hadn't moved to terminate them
4: currently the officers involved I know you, there have been a lot of questions about that and I will and I will address that The uh, officers involved are in in administrative capacity pending the outcome of our internal investigation. Our internal investigation is currently underway and we're working towards a timely conclusion. I want to answer questions, but I need to respect that process. And I anticipate that this investigation will be concluded soon. Per our our current policy, I suspended the officers involved and I had 30 days to make a final determination on their employment status. At the conclusion of that 30 days, SLED still had not finalized their their review and I didn't have all the answers. And at my discretion and based on my policy, I put them back in an administrative capacity. They essentially have desk jobs pending the outcome of this investigation. They do not have any contact with any of the residents of our facility.
2: When the videos came out, some people uh, were, were afraid there was going to be civil unrest, that there was going to be mass protests and, you know, and, and rioting and all kinds of stuff centered in downtown Charleston. And We definitely have not seen that. We've seen a number of you know, very organized and very orderly rallies. Uh, we've seen marches down Meeting Street to the courthouse at Meeting and Broad Streets, which is also where Solicitor Wilson's office is located, and, you know, we've seen a lot of, of action around the case, but we haven't seen any, really anything close to uh, unrest.
0: My name is Marcus McDonald. I'm representing Charleston Black Lives Matter. And as my sister before said, it's not an isolated incident. This is where the police got their start as slave catchers in this city, yes, that we stay here right now. Yes. So we're not here only on an isolated incident, but demand Jamal, Jamal justice for Jamal Sutherland and all victims of police violence and carceral systems. Because all too often, once they're in those four walls, they're forgotten. And we can no longer forget these people who are in these four walls. Because it's by no mistake, there is a little amendment to the 13th Amendment that added with the carceral state that we see today with mass incarceration. So we can no longer make the same mistakes of thinking we can fix these problems by chaining these folks in, the, in these four walls. And that's why we stand for our brothers and sisters to demand the rights are given to, to these inmates and the people everywhere. Because nobody deserves to have to cry knowing that their son, who was supposed to be taking mental care of, they knew he was having a mental health crisis. They knew it. And all the time, they chain folks with mental health and disabilities in these systems, and they know they, can, they need help. Woo! So we're here today to demand justice for Jamal Sutherland by any means necessary. There can no longer be unity and submission without true justice. Right on! Right on! And that's why we not only demand that Sergeant Thicket and Deputy hose Fire Charging and arrested immediately, but we demand that there's transparency and accountability
2: throughout the system. You know, around four o'clock, people started gathering at Marion Square, which, you know, over the years has, has kind of emerged as a kind of a central spot for rallies, protests, um, you know, all kinds of events. And so they gather there. There's some brief speeches. The organizers, including Justin Hunt of, of Stand As One were pretty explicit in, in you know, urging the, the people participating to stay peaceful. They said you know, reminders on everything ranging from you know, staying peaceful to staying on the sidewalk, don't walk in the street, just stay on the sidewalk. Basically, they were telling the crowds, um, don't do anything that would give police an excuse to arrest you.
0: We are here today to show that this movement is organized. This movement has a purpose. This movement is smart, and we will not be silenced. Look to your left. Look to your right. If you see anybody out here that looks like they're not here for us, tell them to step away now. Step away. Because we are not going to be taken advantage of We're not going to be taking over, we're not going to have anybody invade our movement and give us a bad name.
2: They start the march. They go over to Meeting Street. March down Meeting Street. There's lots of chanting, and they wind their way down to Meeting and Broad, which is you know Charleston's famous four corners of law. You know City Hall on one side, and directly across the street is the kind of big county office complex and courthouse. And inside that office complex are um, you know uh, there's the assessor, the tax office, you know all that kind of stuff. But Scarlett Wilson's office is also in that building. And pretty shortly after uh, the group got to the courtyard, you know, there were some some speeches. There were some chants. Uh, people were chanting, "Scarlett Wilson, do your job." Prosecute the police. I said no justice. No peace. Justin Hunt was was making a speech, and in the middle of that. Uh, one of the activists kind of goes up to him and, and says, you know, kind of leans into his ear and, and tells him that the deputies just got fired.
0: Okay, okay, listen up, listen up. Yeah. I don't even call this justice, but y'all f- employees are now fired. Let's get them all to the next. Yeah.
2: Yeah. In, in his mind and in the minds of, of others that are working with him, you know, this case, just because the deputies got fired doesn't mean that there's been you know resolution in this case they want to see charges and they want to see pretty large scale changes to you know to law enforcement to how mental health patients are are cared for
5: this was disturbing to me because we always hear of the people that SCDC lists on their website as um, deceased, but they do not, we don't have any context of how they died. So this is all of our nightmares. This is the things that we dream about and that we hope we don't see. My name is Leticia Imara. I'm the Executive Director of Black Liberation Fund here in Charleston, South Carolina. So I make the SCDC connection because the Qaeda Detention Center is one of the three largest feeders for that system. We started the institution policing here. We're one of the biggest proponents of that institution here. And this is what they expect to do to our people while they're there. And that is in and of itself is disturbing even without the mental um, capacity part of it because many people develop mental issues once they're in environments such as incarceration. And that's Mm -hmm. another thing that we're finding Um, They are becoming um, people who have anxiety and depression and all of these types of things just through being incarcerated because it's not a normal atmosphere. It's a, port, it's a point where you lose all of your rights and everybody is told not to believe you if you say anything. An inmate, you know, was hogtied in McCormick County um, just last week. Uh, a few weeks before that, another inmate at Perry Correctional Facility was beaten senseless in front of the cafeteria with cameras. But they do not believe people when they say these things happen and they out-litigate Even though inmates are allowed to sue, they out-litigate them. So I say Jamal Southern for the local level, yes, we must fight and uplift these names here because the greater part and parcel of it, when they go out to the other facilities, it just gets even worse. They don't count these people as people, and they are. They're people.
1: The Black Liberation Fund is part of a coalition of grassroots organizations that has collectively put out a series of demands. They've called for the officers to be charged. They've also demanded an independent investigation of all of the facilities and agencies involved in Sutherland's case, including Palmetto Lowcountry Behavioral Health Center, the Alcannon Detention Center, and the North Charleston Police Department. And they're seeking long-term changes, like the creation of a community safety and violence prevention department dedicated to responding and supporting residents, including people who were incarcerated, during mental health-related incidents. They'd want that department to be staffed by mental health professionals and not law enforcement. Here's Emily Walter from the ACLU of South Carolina, which is also part of that coalition.
5: Beyond mental health, like, I think that we really have to analyze, like, how we view public safety and, like, how do we treat people when it comes to certain social issues that they're suffering from. And I think that, like, typically, like, you know, we've turned to the police to be the solution for mental health crises, for substance use for housing insecurity, for all these different social issues that like truly police are not equipped to handle and never were designed to, and really just ultimately leads to the criminalization of people who are suffering from those social issues that, you know, truly like are not their fault. I think that we really just have to rethink the entire system and think about it through the lens and through the leadership of people who are most impacted. And I think that that's really lacking in Charleston and in the state. Charleston is a place where these things are well overdue for change policy wise strategy is key and this is what we're taking at this point because these things again we're here again um many years after Stinney and um, not so many years after Walter Scott and Emmanuel now we we're, we're here again we're left with this so policy is important
2: You know, immediately one of the the huge questions that popped up that still has not really been answered in a satisfactory way is why Jamal was taken to the jail in the first place. Um, you know, a lot of people, his his family's attorney, activists alike, have brought up that you know he was being treated for his conditions, uh, bipolar disorder and schizophrenia at this, you know, licensed accredited mental health institution. And so if he was already in, you know, in treatment, why was he taken to the jail? And we've gotten some answers, but there's still nevertheless a number of questions over, you know, could he have been taken to a secure ward at a hospital? Could was there a different facility with a different setup or different kinds of tools at their disposal that they could have taken him to rather than the jail itself? Then going forward to the time that he was booked into the jail, you know Jamal was was taken to a cell in the jail's BMU. And the BMU is definitely not a place. and I think the, the sheriff herself would agree. Um, that it is not a place for someone suffering from any kind of mental health condition. It is not a place for for medical care or rehabilitation. And so, there's a, a number of questions over why he was taken to that particular cell. And then, of course, there are all the questions over um, this forced bond appearance policy: how long it was in place, why it was in place, who put it into place. You know, just a myriad of questions surrounding that. For for listeners that don't know. When someone is arrested in South Carolina, their first court appearance will be in a bond court. And so you go before a magistrate and they'll you know essentially set your bail, set your bond. They are entirely optional. There's no requirement in state law that says you must appear for your bond hearing. You can waive it, you know, and, and what that means is you'll stay in jail until you appear before a circuit judge um, or you know have another opportunity to, to get bail set. There's no legal requirement for you to be present you know, either physically in some jurisdictions or in the case of Charleston County over video conferencing at a bond hearing. And so that policy has been done away with in Charleston County, but it was in place at the time. And there's a lot that we're going to explore surrounding that. A lot of answers we're seeking on that. And then, of course, there's just questions over the level of force that these deputies used. Multiple deployments of pepper spray, multiple tasers, lots of of hands-on physical force. You know, lots of questions over the way that these deputies were trained. A lot, a lot of questions.
0: Justice for Jamal. Justice for Jamal. Justice for Jamal. Justice for Jamal. Justice for Jamal
1: that's all for today thanks so much for listening there's a lot more coverage that we have of this story so i encourage you to visit the Post and Courier's website, and this episode's page will have related articles that you can read to learn more. If you have any comments or questions about this episode or other episodes, you can reach us at understandsc at postincourier.com or you can find us on Twitter at understandsc. Thanks so much, and we will be back next week. Understand South Carolina is a production of The Post and Courier. Our music is by Billy Fountain. You can stream his music on Spotify at Billy Fountain. We'd love to know what you think of this show. You can reach us at UnderstandSC at PostandCourier.com or on Twitter at UnderstandSC. If you're a fan of this show, please rate and review us on the Apple Podcasts app. Keep up with the latest headlines at PostandCourier.com. We'll see y'all next week.